0: Cats. Take
1: your seats. Please,
0: <sighs> Please, God. I am Whoa. One. Can we just
1: go back, please? Can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good yeah. afternoon.
0: And the Oscar goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. You're listening to Classic Movies Live presents Losing It Over Leo. It's a movie where we talk... uh, No, it's not a movie. Why do I keep saying that? Oh my goodness. Uh, The show where we talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. This is going to be our ninth episode, I think. Yeah, we're nine episodes down. My goodness. Uh, That puts us more than halfway through the series, at (laughs) least prospectively. We'll we'll see. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio does have more than 18 movies, but not by much, and not more than 18 movies that matter. So, that's that's, that's not true. I can't say that on a podcast about Leo. My hey goodness. it's probably um, broken
1: up about this, about your comment.
0: My gosh, I feel like I've just been bashing him the last couple of episodes, and that's not even kind of true. I just haven't been as relentlessly positive. I must be settling into things, because I haven't been as relentlessly positive as I'm supposed to be. We're
1: just getting used to him, you know?
0: Yeah, which, hmm... I think here's, well, we're, we're currently in the second, uh, main period of Leo. His, his, his good era is actually what we called this because this is where he's got, you know, or what, what we had been saying earlier, cause he's got so many good movies here and that's true, but somehow or another, I'm in like, I feel like I'm getting on good movie fatigue. Like I don't need to watch a bad Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but like I'm starting to get extra critical of some of these movies yeah. As I'm watching them. And maybe it's just this one that we're going to talk about today, but it is is—it is a very good movie uh, that and we're going to talk movie about. Is it, it is, in fact, well, okay, so actually, this is the first Best Picture winner that, uh, no, this is the second Best Picture winner that we've talked about. Titanic won Best Picture, didn't it? Oh, um, I think so, yeah. I'm actually not sure. I'm going to look that up. I but know it was I nominated believe, heavily. <laughs> oh, it was nominated for everything, including Best Picture, yes. Uh, um it might not have actually won you know i gotta figure this out but today we are gonna talk about a movie that won best picture and that movie is the departed this is Martin's. this is our third martin scorsese movie you know what maybe i have scorsese fatigue that's got to be it maybe, this is our third martin scorsese movie in a row and this movie is uh two and a half hours long so what do we got to say about the departed well uh, we're gonna talk about it for a while here But first off, while I look up some uh, stuff here, I'm going to have Pierre tell you guys what The Departed is about, if somehow you have not yet seen it. Uh,
1: Yeah, so The Departed is a movie starring Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio in opposing roles that are very similar, actually, um, but in different ways. Uh, Matt Damon is a undercover criminal in the police force who quickly rises through the ranks uh, after cadet training or whatever they call it and uh ends up being a lead investigator into uh into getting the arrest into the criminal uh i can't remember his name but he's played by jack nicholson but the jack nicholson is also the his kind of father figure who helped him who helped raise him as a criminal
0: and Uh, i would actually say um you're not wrong that he's a criminal but i would Well, actually, I don't think I think he he might be.
1: I well, I know he worked with Jack Nicholson, so I'm I'm assuming he he committed some crimes that he was never caught.
0: uh, Possibly, he he is uh, he is Jack Nicholson's man on the inside, and I don't know if he's actually a criminal outside of that. But I guess I it's not incorrect to call him a criminal. But I do know. Well, we can talk about that later, but I think it's very likely that he had a probably very spotless record coming into this. Jack Nicholson probably wouldn't have even let him, uh, you know, apply for the police force if he had anything on his name.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So he was very kept. If he was a criminal, he was kept very, it was kept very quiet. Um, Yeah. And then on the other side, we have Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a uh, another uh, another or he, he is a person that went through cadet training uh, and got very good grades. Uh, but he comes from a, he comes from a family very related to crime. So as soon as he graduates, um, he is asked by uh, the internal, no, he is asked by Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg, who, who had kind of the, the operatives who are undercover. And he, they, he is assigned to Jack Nicholson to infiltrate his business and eventually get enough info on him to take him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole movie kind of carries out as the Leonardo and DiCaprio, Matt Damon are kind of playing chess, or they're kind of uh, they're kind of pieces in Jack Nicholson's and uh, Martin Sheen's kind of chess game together uh, that that has been lasting for some years. Mm-hmm. And and then it it uh, devolves into into chaos.
0: Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of. It's kind of spy versus spy in a way, except what I found interesting is, although, you know, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon here on opposing sides, but really this is, they are, yeah, like you said, they're chess pieces in a war between Frank Costello, Jack Nicholson, and Martin Sheen's character, Oliver Queenan. And I guess to some degree also Alec Baldwin's character, George Ellerby, who. Uh, runs the task force that Matt Damon is assigned to. And I think he is, yeah, he is at the same rank as Martin Sheen's character, but he does not have access to the undercover guys.
1: Yeah. And that, that leads to a lot of conflict within the police force as well. Yeah. It's very interesting to watch. Um, But yeah, anyways, to, to, to highlight our star here, let's look at Leonardo DiCaprio. What did you think of his performance in this movie?
0: He was good. Um, so this is a bit of a step down from the Aviator, uh, which I mean that doesn't mean much. It's still incredible. Uh, the Aviator was the Aviator was a best pick. Was like he not, he was nominated for best actor for that. I understand why he wasn't for this. I felt like he was very good in his role, but I really don't think he he almost didn't come across enough as a leading man. And that's not on him. That's just I think he didn't get enough time. Uh, there was a lot more emphasis I found in this on Matt Damon's character. And more than that, there were just a lot of characters. So I think that this movie was a bit crowded. And because of that, Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't shine as brightly as he could. But when he is on screen and when he is doing stuff, he's really good in his role.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. The It's kind of un- not unfortunate, but I guess to see Leo play this coming after... I, I want to say three, three of his best performances, in my opinion. Um, from, so far, for sure. Uh, I, I I, did think it was, like, kind of a step down. He, he, he didn't do, he did not do bad at all. It was just, like, his character wasn't really given much to do because, well, first of all, everything in the movie was really out of his control. He had very little effect on the plot. I mean, I guess that doesn't really affect his acting, but, like, it kind of makes him relatively one note in terms a little of, bit, yeah. He he's kind of just a really angry, and then <laughs> and then he kind of slowly devolves into drugs and and uh, constant hysteria. So so like very solid job from him. Not a very dynamic character. Um, yeah.
0: So Leo in this movie, his his character is undercover, and he's fine being put undercover. Uh, and he's good at it, but he's been undercover for a long time and doesn't want to be undercover anymore. And so, a lot of his character is basically complaining about being undercover or being angry because he is undercover. And that's an important part of the character. But I feel like there's potentially a lot more to this character that doesn't co- that that we don't see because it's kind of overshadowed by those less. Interesting aspects. Yeah,
1: and unfortunately, I I actually do really think he he was overshadowed in a lot of his scenes. Um, the Matt Matt or Matt Damon actually puts on an insanely good performance. I guess they never really were in in the same room that much. Um, so like maybe there, and I mean maybe not Matt Damon is the best example, but Mark Wahlberg I would say stole the scene a lot in this movie. Uh, Martin Sheen was really really great. Um, Alec Baldwin was. Pretty solid.
0: Yeah, uh, everyone you met. Honestly, there's not an actor in this that I disliked that I can remember. Um, this, everyone you mentioned was very good. I, I would say of those, and this isn't on Leo. Leo may have been the weakest because Leo's character was written as the weakest written character in this movie, which is a dang shame. Like he, that it's it's a huge injustice to Leo. But Matt Damon. And um, Mark Wahlberg are like I was constantly waiting for their scenes because they were so, so much better than anything else in this movie. And I'm a little upset that I have to say that uh, and that I don't that I didn't like Leo as much as I liked their characters because I wanted to.
1: Um, yeah, I, that's very that's really true. I, I wouldn't say like I think Matt Damon's I, I could kind of feel like Matt I think Matt Damon's character was very well given to him
0: oh yeah um, sure. i thought it
1: matched his personality very well not not like the scumbag part but he, he was essentially for most of the movie he's just like this really confident really confident guy uh kind of having the time of his life uh and and he's he, he's a little shady once in a while yeah and i i thought like just the way the way i know of matt damon as like a person uh i think it just fits him really well and i also think the the Leo's role fit him really well too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, not not much of a not too m- much of a role for him.
0: And honestly, so, uh, maybe that's maybe that's part of what it is as well because I've now seen Leo in roles similar to this quite a bit. I don't want to say Oh, that's true. Yeah, and I've seen I know that Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg and Martin Sheen are also all in roles similar to their roles in this movie in earlier performances of theirs and that's fine but now that i've seen it so much in leo i may have just, it's possible that i just kind of tuned him out because he's so similar to other roles where maybe if, we, if this was a matt damon podcast and we'd watched every matt damon movie up till now maybe we wouldn't have that high an opinion of matt damon in this movie
1: yeah that's true i i could see that
0: because i also did notice so probably my not even probably. Definitely, my favorite character in this movie is Mark Wahlberg's character, who is uh, Sergeant Sean D- Dignam. He's just a huge asshole, but he's also uh, he's also morally the least um, what's the word I want to say compromised in all of the entire cast potentially. Um, but also, he just plays a typical Mark Wahlberg character. This is Mark Wahlberg's standard character. And he does it (laughs) really well. So well that he actually got nominated for for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. And he's not in it that much even though he's a significant role. But like he's... um, Yeah, I guess guess what I was trying to say is he just plays a role that he is good at and knows and knows well. um, But it's not anything out of the ordinary for him. And I think that's just how it is with all these characters is no one is playing anything that's very far out of their comfort zone
1: yeah i guess that that kind of plays to the strength of scorsese's casting in this um who by the way I, I thought he did a really uh solid job this was actually kind of i i would say one of his weaker directed movies even though it was really good uh just based on there was a couple i think the editing was a little sloppy uh cut co- there's i noticed continuity errors here and there uh so so like overall as a product definitely not as solid as uh well much better than gangs of New York but not um, as solid as the aviator uh,
0: yeah however I would say this may be his best casted movie that I've seen with the possible exception of gangs of New York not that the aviator wasn't well cast but like everyone was very was perfect for their roles in that
1: yeah and, and like Which- a lot of like I I would say relatively um interesting choices like i never really ex- i would never have expected to see mark Wahlberg in a scorsese movie or yeah and or, i gotta say
0: i would never expect to see matt damon as a bad guy yeah which he is in this movie
1: yeah also in a scorsese movie i, I don't know why but I, I don't see matt damon as like a scorsese type of actor sure um but, but yeah so interesting casting as well uh and i i, I love like the dynamic camera work in this too especially at the start i noticed in the first hour it felt a lot this movie was really solid in the first hour i thought um it kind of felt like as the movie went on there was uh yeah a little some sometimes the the logic of it of the whole plot kind of uh didn't really work out uh, i thought jack nicholson's character got a little too much in certain places
0: I thought Jack um, Nicholson acted his character very well, but I didn't love his character and once again and I I don't know why I always feel like I have to stress this it's not that I didn't like his character because his character was a good villain. I didn't like his character because I thought his character was not that interesting yeah
1: he, he had a he had a, like a lot of screen time I want to say he had the third most screen time in the movie
0: aside from um, that, like he might have had the most who would have gotten more yeah, than maybe i or... actually i
1: kind of see yeah he might actually have had more than leo uh because he he was like involved in both like character main characters lives if that makes sense yeah so i could definitely see that um but yeah i like it was a little too it felt a little too cartoony and too much like i think if they just toned it down either they toned it down a bit or just had his character in it less uh i think it would have been a little a little easier to uh to get to get on with um but yeah oh i guess that that one was especially well cast considering the type of character it was uh but
0: i mean yeah, I not, would argue, not my
1: favorite character
0: are you talking about jack nicholson i would say yeah. he was appropriately cast i don't know that i would say well i think that that's actually so we've been talking about the casting and how perfect it was i agree and i think that the casting might be too perfect like i think that that might be one of this movie's shortcomings is the fact that everyone is cast in a role they're so comfortable with that, aside from maybe Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg, who has an unreal amount of screen time for Mark Wahlberg, uh, there no one's being challenged here. And I think that's really that's my big that's one of my problems with this is Jack Nicholson is playing a Jack Nicholson character, Mark Wahlberg is playing a Mark Wahlberg character, Leo is playing a Leo character martin sheen is playing a martin sheen character they're all super good at these roles but no one is being challenged here and so no so everyone's giving it like they're giving it like 98 and they could be giving it 110 percent.
1: wow yeah that's actually that's a really interesting point i never kind of like like the meta the metaness you're kind of meta thinking casting uh but like it kind of makes sense you know i there's there's some there's some people in roles that i really like um because they kind of go against the type of the character they're used to playing Mm -hmm. Uh, ones that come to mind is like off the top of my head is like chris evans as captain america Uh, usually he was kind of a jock before but it was really cool to to see him after fantastic four to to start acting as like a a non-jock character like a really like the opposite of like
0: a moral paragon which is almost yeah like you said the opposite
1: yeah, or uh, Jim Carrey playing in drama roles is always really interesting to see. So I see what you mean. Yeah, it. it I. I wasn't. I wasn't too surprised by anything. Like it. It could have been interesting to see, for example, Leonardo DiCaprio taking on Mark Wahlberg's character uh, instead. I think he could have actually. Well, I. I mean, Leo can pull almost anything off, honestly. But I would have been think... interesting to see.
0: Yeah, or um. Gosh, I don't know any obvious changes here, because the main character, the the most interesting character in this movie is Colin Sullivan, as far as I'm concerned, which is Matt Damon's character, and of all of the characters in, of all the actors in this movie, Matt Damon is cast the most against type, so I, so like, I don't want to recast that role, um, but man, I don't know, like, maybe if we could have gotten, maybe instead of Jack Nicholson, they go with someone (laughs) Maybe if instead of Jack Nicholson, they'd gone with someone who doesn't play stereotypical villains, you know, get Michael Keaton, get the Batman instead of, instead of the Joker.
1: That would have been actually pretty cool. I think Michael Keaton could have not really done that
0: role. Well, that actually would have been cool. Like it's hard to, it's hard to see. It's a little more difficult to see now because I have seen Michael Keaton as a villain in a few roles, most notably Spider-Man, but like in 2006, Michael Keaton was a good guy or a dramatic actor. If you get him doing Jack Nicholson's, un, like the the unhinged Francis Costello that Jack Nicholson plays in this, that would be incredible to see at the time.
1: Yeah, it could have been interesting. Um, yeah, so <laughs> one of our criticisms is the casting was too good. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but yeah, getting into the, like the the plot and stuff, I, I I really I well for yeah I, first of all I really liked the I think the length for the type of movie it was or the type of story it was telling fit really well like like the pacing and stuff played really good honestly um, I was never really bored and uh, <laughs> like I I <laughs> so I'm trying to talk about this without mentioning Infernal Affairs I'm sorry I'm really well, struggling
0: okay we will get to that very shortly actually uh, so. Now that we've let the cat out of the bag, this movie is a remake. This movie is a remake of the Hong Kong movie Infernal Affairs, which we have uh, actually reviewed on our other podcast, which you may have heard by now, uh, Classic Movies Live. And we are going to get to that in just a minute. But like, just to touch on what you just said, and this is actually going to lead us right into Infernal Affairs. My biggest problem with this movie was the fact that I thought it was way too long. Uh, You said it was paced appropriately, I guess. But I got really bored real quick. I thought that this movie had way too much in it and not enough that was doing things, if that makes sense. Like, this movie could have told the entire two-and-a-half-hour story in an hour and a half and done it better, as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot of background that's fine, but not that great, uh, there's side plots that either don't go anywhere or are too long. Um, there's too many characters. I like all the char- Like, I like all the performances, but I think um, there doesn't need to be a Sergeant Sean Dignam and a Captain Oliver Queen and a Captain George Ellerby. That's three roles that are doing three aspects of the same character. Uh, there doesn't need to be a Frank Costello and an Arnold French, who's played by Ray Winstone. Those are two aspects of the same character. There doesn't need to be like half of the supporting cast of this movie because they really could just be consolidated into one or two characters. Again, I love all the performances. It's hard for me to cut anyone specifically from this movie as an actor, but as characters, I think there's way too many. And, And then... The plot, uh, there's a lot of backstory that just is not super useful. Um, the very the o- entire opening scene, I think it's fine. I would have gotten rid of it. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's very good. Like I, I mean, it's it explains Matt Damon's character a little bit, and I don't think you need to explain Matt Damon's character to figure out who he is. Um, maybe I think that's that's all I can that's all I can complain about without without uh, without you saying anything. <laughs>
1: uh okay i i kind of see what you mean i i maybe a couple scenes could have been cut I, the second act was a little long um but just in terms of i i did i did i did appreciate the mm, like the the extended backstory i thought it was interesting even though for plot related reasons i think it actually hurt the movie um which I, I might get into or i'll probably get into in a sec but um like overall I like, I, I think I think it's because because I'm trying to judge this without thinking of in, in, *Infernal Affairs* again, like because like you said, this 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 could technically have been told in an hour and a half, like *Infernal Affairs* did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in terms of them trying to add more, I I didn't think I th- I thought some of the additions I thought or I thought a lot of the additions were were welcome in terms of. I didn't mind it in terms of pacing, you know, like it didn't reach the insanely fast pace, like insanely fast, like roller coaster pacing of infernal affairs. But um, I think the way like this is, this feels very much again, like a Scorsese movie. So yeah. the length I think feels appropriate due to like, I, I, I honestly can't imagine an hour, an hour and a half movie directed by Scorsese because no, not it's just a- like kind of goes against his style. And yeah. I, think, I think what he did was fine, even though, yeah, I would have cut some things.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little sad that I watched Infernal Affairs before I watched this movie again. I mean, on the one hand, I'm very happy because Infernal Affairs is a great movie. Uh, on the other hand, it is extremely difficult. It was really, really hard for me to watch this movie without thinking of Infernal Affairs. I mean, I couldn't do it. And now I'm having trouble talking about it. And honestly, yeah. most of my criticisms of the departed come from the fact that I uh, that I liked Infernal Affairs better, and I don't think that I, I I'm trying to frame my criticisms as much as I can as valid criticisms because it's not just that I'm comparing the two, but I do think that a lot of the things that I'm comparing the two on negatively impact this movie.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, do do you want to talk? Do you want to go through them? I, I think yeah. there's about eight. Eight changes that are relatively big. Um, I'm guessing eight. It felt like eight. (laughs) We can go. We can go through the ones we think of.
0: Do you want to? Do you want to go through? Do you have all eight written? Like, can you? While I'm talking a little bit more, I'm going to talk a little bit more about broad changes between these movies. And while I'm doing that, you should write down those eight changes so we can go through them point by point. Okay. So, Infernal Affairs was a very strongly thematic movie um it starts out with a quote it, it starts out with a i don't know if it's a quote i don't know i don't think so but it's a uh, it starts out by explaining the buddhist uh idea of the eternal i think it's called eternal hell i don't remember but basically a hell that you can never leave and um where you're just trapped never quite being in a in, in a place that you actually want to be essentially and so, and the whole movie is about that. Where the one time that the one of the, the the bad main character tries to do something good, he's punished regardless, and he can never undo the fact that he and and he's doomed to basically live in eternal hell or unending hell. Um, so it's very thematic in that respect. And also, the characters are. Uh, they are well realized characters, but they're a lot more. Ab- they're they're actually quite a bit more abstract than in this movie. Um, the good character has a. I'm sure he has a rich life as a person, but we don't really care about that. We get who he is as a police officer and who he is as a undercover gangster, or you know, for both of them, just you know, flip around the uh, undercover wherever you want, and. It's mostly, to, and because of that, you know, they're restricted to basically two attributes. And then because of that, we're allowed to, they're allowed to really play up those attributes and get very strong characterization into their archetypes, basically. So you get this movie that's about these two competing spies who are very strongly characterized within that. And it is entirely about them the other auxiliary characters are there mostly to support their stories, but also are fully realized characters just that because they're not there as main characters, it's more like they're, they're allowed to just sit on the sidelines and be um, the boss essentially, which gives them, you know, the ability to sort of be fleshed out while not playing a major well, well playing, you know, not playing anything more than a major supporting role um, and I think that like what essentially it all, it all comes down to is script economy because that, that movie is an hour and a half long and it uses that to tell a very like I said thematic story about two archetypes that fight that are two archetypical characters that are in opposition to each other but because every part of it is so strongly themed you get I felt that it was a way more meaningful story where this, where the departed by contrast tries to make it much more realistic by giving everybody technically much more fleshed out background stories, adding characters that would need to be there uh, in a real world scenario and trying to tie this entire thing into, uh, you know, something resembling what could be actual Boston crime but because of that, it kind of loses itself a little bit in its world building. So it ends up building a bigger but also sparser world in a way. And so that, I think, is my biggest complaint about, uh, about The Departed when I compare it to Infernal Affairs. I think that the script economy of Infernal Affairs is much better, and as a result results in stronger, if not necessarily... Well, better, if not necessarily... Gosh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Stronger world building, if not as broad of world building. Did I give cool. you enough time?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got them. I got eight. I okay, believe. cool. I believe that's it. That, those are the ones I can think of. Um, this this one kind of already ties into what you're saying. Uh, the, the extended backstories that, that kind of take up the first 20 minutes. In um, Infernal Affairs, I'm pretty sure... All we know about each cop is that they graduated from the Academy. Yes. At the same and here,
0: time. They graduated from the Academy at the same time. And one of them is seen at the very, er, like the, the character being played in this movie by Matt Damon is seen very early on with the mob boss, which you don't know until later, but like that technically establishes him as the bad guy.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I guess, like, the intention was to add more emotional connection between Jack Nicholson's character and Matt Damon's. Um, p- unfortunately, I don't really think that worked because it never really pays off in the movie at all. So I thought that was a weird choice for an addition. Um, also,
0: on on that point, I think... So in Infernal Affairs... Their connection is because uh, the Matt Damon character, the undercover mob, the, the undercover mobster in the in the police force, is corrupt. That's his point. He like he's corrupt and he's put himself in with the uh, um with the mob so that he can get ahead because that's the most important thing to him. Matt Damon kind of comes across like that later in the movie. However his reason for being with the mob is that he has a history with Costello and that his, and so those two things are almost at odds with each other because him having a history with Costello, if that's the reason that he's, you know, helping Costello, then great. But then later on, he is also corrupt, which is like too many motivations in a way.
1: Um, Yeah, I I get what you made sense. It it was a little confusing to kind of get a track on what, his true intents and in, intentions were um, mm-hmm. because, because yeah. And, and then like you, you assume because of that, that the backstory is more important, but like, like this is another thing uh, this kind of feeds into it. another change. I found like, it's not a huge change, but I actually found it pretty impactful was the death scene of, of the Jack Nicholson character um, in, in infernal affairs. He is just kind of killed really quickly. In um, this one, he is, he kind of slowly dies while getting a chance to sort of fight back. Mm-hmm. And I, I just did not find it very compelling at all because Infernal Affairs, it was like so quick um, and it truly felt like a deception, you know? Um,
0: yeah, and actually it's... I would say that was a stronger character moment for the character who kills him, the yeah. undercover mobster, because it just shows that he doesn't care about this guy at all at the end of the day, which is something that in the departed Matt Damon can't do like Matt Damon can't not care about Jack Nicholson because we've been set up up to this entire point, uh, knowing that they are very close.
1: Yeah. And also I think it took out, I, I don't remember how infernal affairs did it, but I did. Th- I, I remember being surprised when he shot him more surprised at least because I wasn't expecting it to happen like so quickly, right? Uh, whereas this one, it was like I might have been because I, I I've seen this movie before, but like I knew Matt Damon was coming. I knew that he was going to shoot him, and when they met, like it was like an extended conversation. That and also like, the, whole, the whole time you're you're very sure Matt Damon's going to kill him. There's no real character tension there.
0: And also, they give Jack Nicholson the extra. Um, Jack Nicholson is, Jack Nicholson's character, uh, Frank Costello, is also given the um, extra context that he's apparently an FBI informant, which makes him everyone's enemy as well, Yeah, which it's almost- That was also part
1: of the motivation for him getting killed. It's just so many different things, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because they were hinting towards like Matt Damon just kind of being tired of his bullshit, And then also the fact that Matt Damon wants to, uh, you know, keep keep it quiet. What's what's happening and kind of move on from Jack Nicholson's character. But it was just like, yeah, it was like three different reasons for him wanting to kill Jack Nicholson. It was like, this is really unnecessary because each point just kind of feels diluted by by all of it.
0: Yeah. We're to carry uh, like to tie it back to Infernal Affairs going in there's zero reasons to kill him and you kind of put together one by the time that it's, that it happens.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Which is so, so much cooler to see. Uh, and then also going back to the backstories though, we get more into Leo's backstory of, of how, how, why he gets recruited. It turns out he has a criminal family and, but then we get more backstory as to why he would hate his family because his family did not care for, his extended family did not seem to care for him and his parents at all. And he, he's kind of has this, yeah, he has a taste for justice, but he also, it feels like the hit movies hinting towards he, he wants revenge for, he he wants to put his, the rest of his family into their place for, for doing what they did to, to his, to his part of the family, Mm -hmm. Uh, which also I thought it was, I I did think it was interesting. It, it may, it gave me more of a reason to believe Leo would put himself in this position but also I don't really think it was necessary first of I all think- because like undercover cops do like do this stuff all the time uh like that's kind of their job to be undercover so like I don't really think I needed a motivation for him to truly be wanting to do it I mean it kind of mm-hmm. helps but then also with the whole they make it very clear that Jack Nicholson knows that this guy used to be a cop or was attempting to be a cop and, and was kicked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that really hurts the movie later. Cause in, in kind of the halfway halfway through the movie, when Jack Nicholson finds out that there is a, there's a cop in his team. I found it really hard for him not to believe that it was Leo, like right away and to not just kill him off because it was like, Leo's the obvious candidate you know?
0: Yeah. And also I would say in Infernal Affairs, the analog character to Leo, he's it it's it's a lot more powerful seeing him play essentially a bad guy, because all we know about that character is that he's really good at his job of being a cop, and that he is has an extremely like sensitive moral compass. Like he's very, very he's a very good guy. And so it me it means it means a lot more. When we see him having to do things that are out of character to. for a very good guy, where with yeah. Leo, you know, it's a similar character, but it's not as hard to buy him, you know, doing crimes.
1: Yeah. I also kind of saw him as a jerk, uh, or not like a great guy, uh, because I guess we'll get to the next point too. The fact that him and Matt Damon were kind of seeing the same person, they had the same love and trust. Oh, yeah. Uh, That I thought it was cool in terms of the themes of the the kind of like the mirror image of of Matt Damon and Leo's characters and it being kind of interesting that they end up seeing the same person or falling in love with the same person. However, I I guess it kind of makes him out to be a scumbag because he's kind of a dick to her when she's a therapist, but then like and but then he asks her out when she knows she has a boyfriend, and then he also has sex with her knowing she's like moving in with her boyfriend too. So I guess it makes for a more realistic character, but also I guess it kind of dilutes the, um, the, the kind of righteousness behind what he's doing.
0: He's a little more morally gray of a character yeah. and it's, you Which know, like,
1: I guess interest more interesting in some ways on paper. Yeah. Uh, just because like, yeah, I, I think Scorsese really likes doing movies on very flawed people. And I guess the character from Infernal Affairs does not really fit his type of style. So that might have been why it was changed so much. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did. I liked liked the the change with the love interest, but it does feel a little too much and a little non-subtle too. It's a little too on the nose at the...
0: Yeah, it's not subtle at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, next we have the, there were, I don't think this was in infernal affairs, but there were two undercover cops on Costello's team. And also two, two undercover criminals on the police force, which I don't think was in the movie In infernal the two, affairs.
0: The two undercover criminals on the police force was in infernal affairs. That was a huge plot point right at the end.
1: Oh, Oh, okay. I, 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 I don't know why I assumed he was just a cop that really liked Matt Damon or, uh, the Matt Damon character. Uh, no, he character was actually... There.
0: Um, there's a there's a quick flashback that shows you who he was in the beginning scene as well. But I don't believe there were two undercover cops. Oh,
1: uh, okay. Never mind. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Wait, two undercover cops? Yeah, so there was one... There was Leo, and then there was another guy who ends up dying partway through the movie.
0: Oh, is that... Uh... <sighs> Gosh, Anthony Anderson is the name of the actor. Okay. I think. Uh,
1: Anyways, uh he because in Infernal Affairs, there's like a kind of a one one of one of Leo's companions like on dies in uh in in a shootout. Uh in that in that version it was he dies uh being a criminal and he's kind of like it's I think it's more sad because uh the the undercover cop kind of has to deal with the fact that this this guy trusted him kind of to his death, mm-hmm. and he still has to lie to his face. Whereas in this in this one, it was an undercover cop that knows uh, that knows Leo that finds out Leo is a is a cop and kind of dies with with that knowledge.
0: And the thing is, so you know, in th- in this movie, we know that he's dying protecting that secret. In Infernal Affairs you can still kind of assume that the guy is dying protecting that secret because technically he like, he sort of hints that he might know at the end, but you don't know. And it's already sad because this is a dude that's been established as a pretty good friend to the main character. Although, you know, they could never be close because one of them is a cop, but he has real feelings for this guy. Who's uh, man. What am I trying to say? But like, this is a really like, this guy is just, He's sort of a lovable idiot, and he's there throughout the entire thing. And the uh, the undercover cop in this does not quite fill the same role. I honestly felt they needed another three characters to fill that role because you've <laughs> got your lovable idiots in this movie, but they never come up except for a few scenes where they literally quote the Hong Kong movie *Infernal Affairs*. Yeah, uh, I thought
1: that was a little.
0: I thought that was bad. Actually, it was. Yeah.
1: It was. It was the exact same scene, but just done worse and not like it wasn't really funny this time
0: yeah the only differences were it wasn't funny and it didn't make sense
1: yeah so i mean like kind of kind of weird and the i i think yeah the death scene was just not as as good which is too bad um but i guess it, it it helped in making sure leo was in the clear so he didn't die you know yeah,
0: because I guess like this guy, I don't remember for sure, but this guy could have also been the cop, right?
1: Yeah. So, so when when he died, I think Jack Nicholson's character assumes that they're mostly fine, which takes the heat off Leo, but again, that wouldn't have been necessary if there wasn't all the added backstory behind his character.
0: Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um another one is uh when Leo gets shot. That's a big one. Uh, just just in terms of mostly execution, I I, like, I actually like this way more than in The Departed. I mean, <laughs> in Infernal Affairs, ju- just because it was way more unexpected. Mm-hmm. It, it almost played on, like if I, if I had seen Infernal Affairs and never seen The Departed b- before, it, it would have really played on my expectations because of the way the scene played out in that he gets shot at the bottom of the elevator out of nowhere rather than at the top. So you, you kind of maybe if you saw Infernal Affairs, you're expecting him to get out of it because oh they skip the shooting scene until he gets shot like two seconds later. And I I did think the moment that him and Matt Damon get in the elevator was really really powerful. Yeah, as well uh, just in terms of you see Matt Vent Car- Damon's character being really really cocky, going like uh you 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 arrest me like I'll never see the inside of a prison cell like it's your funeral kind of stuff like that, and then like. Five seconds later he goes to just kill me, please. Like cause he knows how deep and shit he is. I actually and, thought the
0: whole entire elevator scene played out really, really well in The Departed. Yeah. Um with everyone shooting each other. It it Yeah, I uh, agree. I mean, just there's not much more to say about that. I just think that's a lot better where well, not necessarily better. It's better for this movie, and I liked that scene better. Uh, if you would have transplanted this into infernal affairs it would not have worked but that's because these movies are doing very different things at the end of the day but I think that um, you know in this movie they come out of the elevator uh, Leo gets shot Matt Damon shoots the other guy. I don't remember if there's any other shooting but then no, very was... shortly after that Matt Damon gets killed by Mark Wahlberg
1: there was there was another because there were there were two there was another cop with Leo remember right. Um... And yeah. he gets he gets shot by Matt Damon's ally, and then Matt Damon shoots his ally. Mm-hmm. Also, so yeah, there, there was a lot of shooting at, <laughs> at the end, and uh, and especially
0: yeah. for this movie, that works a lot better. And in, yeah. I I like that scene in better generally. I would say in Infernal Affairs, that scene transplanted would not have worked, but that's not the point. So
1: um, I think it could have. I, I I just I think I really just did not like the death in Infernal Affairs. I I found it really poorly executed. Probably like probably probably one of the worst worst parts of the movie in my opinion. And um, hmm. it, it might have been because I saw this because I, I I do think that the execution on this was very much flawless. So I think
0: I think the main difference between those two is in Infernal Affairs, the uh, uh, Andy Lau's character, the main character. Uh, the undercover mobster uh, doesn't shoot the other guy because he can't do that. He can't be a policeman who's also murdered a guy if he doesn't have to be. Where in this, um, Matt Damon, Matt Damon can shoot the other guy because at this point he doesn't really care. But also he's just going to keep going on being who he is. Like there's not there, there are essentially. No negative consequences to him uh, shooting up that elevator. I
1: mean, he did, did kill the other guy. Remember, in Infernal oh, Affairs.
0: In Infernal Affairs? No, he didn't. Did he?
1: Yeah, because he he was the, he had to make sure he was the only one with the secret. That was really important.
0: Oh my gosh, how did I forget that? Yeah. Okay, you're right. In yeah,
1: in the elevator though, rather than outside of the elevator. So
0: yeah, okay. Was,
1: there was a slight difference. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, okay. In that I, case, I, just, I I don't think I have a strong opinion, but I see what you're saying. Then
1: okay, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just think it was better executed. The tension was, the tension was better. The surprise was better. The death itself was better. I like, I like the lack of dramaticness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we don't really see Leo's character again for the rest of the movie. That uh, is actually,
0: in general, one thing about this movie that's much better than Infernal Affairs is. In Infernal Affairs, they did have a few points where they went overly melodramatic, and this movie did not have that at all. Yeah, which I I, in generally, in general, better.
1: And when Leo dies, his uh, or in Infernal Affairs, when that character dies, there's like a huge flashback scene of like his life, and like uh, it, it was just like it really hurt the pacing, and it it's, it it it's kind of diluted,
0: and not good because the movie yeah. itself is not cheesy.
1: Yeah. So it didn't match. Whereas this, I liked, he was kind of like put out like a, uh, almost like a dog, you know, just yep. shot, He's... shot in the face, step to the side. We don't, he doesn't, he gets a grand funeral, but you don't like see his face, you know? And it, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel as epic or as uh, congratulatory as the one in Infernal Affairs. It's like, like it's, it, it feels more like it's just kind of like a routine, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, d- I did think that was better. Uh Matt How Damon's character.
0: That? Is that four or five?
1: That was five. I have All one right. last one, I think. Uh Matt All Damon's right. character dies, which which is probably the biggest change. And
0: I think that I really changed, didn't like it. Um I would say I think it works for the departed, because I actually really did like it because it gives Mark Wahlberg another character scene where he where Mark Wahlberg basically becomes a rogue cop with nothing left to lose. Um but that change is the biggest reason why I don't think that this movie is as thematic as *Infernal Affairs*. Because the whole point of *Infernal Affairs* is that that character shouldn't, can't die. Like nothing will ever end his torture. Where in this, in this movie, Matt Damon walks into his, he walks into his apartment, he sees Mark Wahlberg sitting there, he's like, ah, shit, all right, and then he dies, which is fine i guess for this movie like i said it gives mark Wahlberg a good no- a good moment but it in it, it's 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 worse in general yeah i i thought
1: it was a little too like tie a bow on it uh i i guess again i i i like this a lot more before i had seen infernal affairs so it's hard to say and i love the mark Wahlberg character but a lot of a lot of the reason that character exists is literally just for this scene in the end.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Like up until now, like up until that scene, most of his character is just shit talking other characters.
1: Yeah, and he, he's like a really fun character, you know. But like, nothing he does can't really have been done by Martin Sheen's character, Captain Queenan So yeah, it was like in terms of like this the script, like I, I love it. I, I just, I don't know. I love it and I hate it. Um, I love it because I, I did think it was kind of satisfying to see. And then also I thought it was really badass of Mark Wahlberg's character. So like superficially, I like it. But for the movie, not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it would have been kind of cool to see Matt Damon's character survive and uh, maybe see how his life turns out. Because he he are, he's they kind of did the part where he was suffering for what he did. I would yeah. say maybe maybe even more in some ways than the character in uh, Infernal Affairs, but just yeah. E- either way, I it's hard to say. It's it's very conflicting for me, but yeah. I, I guess it it felt very Hollywood too. So I I guess it it's kind of what I should have expected for a more Western movie.
0: So I would say if uh, if you can divorce if if we can both try and divorce this movie from Infernal Affairs for a moment. What would you What would you rate this movie? What would you th- What would you say?
1: Um, I probably I give this an eight out of ten. It, it was. It is. It is honestly like a, r- a really good movie. I, got I... a couple inconsistencies. Not like the greatest, well put together movie as much as I remembered. But um, I honestly it's. It's still very very enjoyable, and uh, it's still like yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese doing a great job. Not one of his best. It's still a great job.
0: I gotta say, so, like, I know I just said to divorce this from Infernal Affairs, but that is really hard. And I'm gonna try as much as I can, but even if I don't think of this as Infernal Affairs, I do think... I do still think that this movie is a little lost in places, and overlong. I do not, like, even, even knowing... Even if I ignore the fact that there's another version of this movie that exists that's much shorter and more to the point, I do not think this movie needs to be two and a half hours long, and I think there's a lot of places where it drags. So to me, this is still a very good movie, but I gotta say, I didn't enjoy it that much this the second time, or second, maybe third time watching it. So I gotta say, considering everything, I would probably give it a six or maybe a little higher but i'm gonna say like a six out of ten it's very good technically but like there's just there's just a lot i can't get over
1: that's fair i i I see what you mean uh yeah i'm trying again i might be overcompensating because i am factoring the the infernal affairs thing in but yeah either way though i i enjoyed it uh not the greatest leo movie but still
0: a pretty solid movie yeah, on know. a Leo scale, I'd give it probably a five or a six. Like, yeah, I want to, I, I want to say five or a six because anything less than a five sounds bad. On the one hand, but if we're considering five as an average Leo performance, this is an average Leo performance. This is a five, yeah, which
1: is still really, really good.
0: So Yeah, I mean, an average like the, the Leo scale is based on Leo, right? Like, it's not based on anyone else. A five for Leo is like. I don't know. It's probably like a, it's like an
1: eight or nine for other people.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say it's like a seven or an eight on a Nicholas Cage scale. And I'm saying that with yeah. Nicholas Cage being my favorite actor as we established last time. So yeah. like, you know, five on a Leo scale is still very good, but this is very unremarkable as far if we compare it to other Leo performances.
1: Yeah, for sure. I see what you mean. Yeah, so how do you feel being
0: to... out of the, uh, how do you feel being out of the Martin Scorsese quagmire for a bit? Um, I'm
1: pretty happy, like, I love Scorsese, not gonna lie, but I think after watching this, I I, I feel like I, I've, I've gotten enough, you know, a little yeah. scorsese out, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 it's I, kind of like we got descending Scorsese-ness, though, I, I'd say Gangs of New York is, like, the most Scorsese movie, uh, I'd seen out of these three, even though it was definitely, like, the worst one, so,
0: yeah, a, where, part it felt like the part of were- scorsese yeah, where well, and I mean, Aviator is the best, I think we can both agree, of those three.
1: Yeah, it strikes a good balance.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's the most important thing, I would say.
1: Yeah, uh, so what? So then, uh, for Escaping Scorsese, what's our next director/slash movie?
0: Oh boy, and now I don't know our next director, I'm gonna look it up here, but uh, our next movie is one that we actually we actually inserted this one pretty late into the game. This was not intended to a- even be on our list. Actually, uh, this is a movie that is going to be—it's uh, it's, going to be Leonardo DiCaprio's first collaboration with Jimon Hansu, um, and it is directed by Edward Zwick, who I have never heard of before. The movie we're going to be talking about is going to be Blood Diamond, Ooh. which I—we originally had not. Uh, set out to talk about, but he was nominated for an Academy Award for Blood Diamond. So I feel like it's a disservice to not talk about it.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I haven't heard too much about this movie, but I've heard it. It is one of Leo's stronger roles. So um, I'm
0: excited for
1: it. It's really very. See.
0: I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how challenging a role it is for Leo. But I know he had to put on a weird accent. So like. It's not without. It's not an easy role for him either.
1: He has some great accents. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I gotta say, I'm the more I think about it, the more I warm up to his gangs of New York accent. I think it's actually really good now.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: So anyway, coming up next, we got Blood Diamond. Uh, today was The Departed, and you know, you know what my favorite thing about The Departed is. I just want to say this, like, like one last time. I really like the poster for the departed because it let me make a very nice cover image for this episode and i hope that people enjoy that cover image because i didn't even spend that long on it it was very intuitive uh and i just really liked it a lot
1: yeah it it, i saw it it works it works very well thematically all right the scorsese of poster making
0: Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. I hope one day I can make a poster that's actually like a full poster and not just other assets.